We're facing a lot of problems as a nation. Record high inflation, rising crime, food shortages, Chinese spy planes, and the prospect of World War III. But one issue rises above all those threats, and President Biden addressed it last night during the State of the Union. I speak, of course, about hotel resort fees. My administration is also taking on junk fees, those hidden surcharges too many companies use to make you pay more. We're going to ban surprise resort fees that hotels charge on your bill. Those fees can cost up to $90 a night at hotels that aren't even resorts. And we'll prohibit airlines from charging $50 round trip for family just to be able to sit together. Baggage fees are bad enough. Airlines can't treat your child like a piece of baggage. For too long, workers have been getting stiffed, but not anymore. We're, getting, we're beginning to restore the dignity of work. For example, 30 million workers have to sign non-compete agreements with the jobs they take. 30 million. So a cashier at a burger place can't walk across town and take the same job at another burger place and make a few bucks more. But not anymore. We're banning those agreements so companies have to compete for workers and pay them what they're worth. People can't afford eggs. The cost of eggs rose 60% last year. Much more than that in some places. Joe Biden hasn't fixed any of the things he said he'd fix. In almost every single case, he's made those problems worse. But hey, he says he's going to try really hard to reduce resort fees and luggage fees and the burden of non-compete clauses in the apparently C-suite level contracts of fast food workers. He can't do anything that would actually improve your life, but he promises to do some minor things that probably won't affect your life very much. You've got Joe's word on that. And when has Joe Biden ever lied to you? I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Berserker117, who says, anyone else notice how the red color theme of the Grammy Awards matched the color of Biden's speech last night? He's a red. No, the problem is he's, he's not even a red. He's, not, he's certainly not a conservative. He's not a commie. He's just a stale, old, tired, establishment liberal. So it seems like the worst of all possible worlds. If you were a commie, at least he'd have a vision. It would be an evil vision, but he'd have a vision. Here, the vision is, I'm not going to do anything to fix anything. It's all falling apart. But you guys, ever notice those resort fees? You ever notice that? It's terrible. It's awful. One way, one way when you get stuck with a fee that you don't know how you're going to pay for it, one way you could do it is if you have your wealth diversified into really uh, stable investments such as gold. That's why you got to check out Birch Gold. Right now, text Knowles to 989898. The U.S. blew through $31.4 trillion in its debt ceiling last month. And still the White House refuses to reduce spending. If you're worried about the future of this nation's economy, you need to consider diversifying into gold with Birch Gold. 
Birchgold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Text Knowles right now to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold and then talk to one of their precious metals specialists. I have really enjoyed investing in precious metals in my life. I think it's served me very well uh, with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews. You can trust Birch Gold to help protect your savings, and you will see why conservatives tend to uh, like investing in precious metals and gold specifically. Text Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to 989898 and protect yourself with gold today. That is Knowles to 989898. I can't get over the resort fees. That was, to me, that was the highlight of the night because it wasn't even just that he picked this really stupid issue to focus on amid all of the historic problems that we have. It's that he really thought this would resonate when he leaned into the microphone. He said, we're going to stop those resort fees at hotels that sometimes aren't even resorts. Who was he speaking to? Do you remember when the Democrats were the party of the working man? Republicans were the party of rich uncle Pettybags, the plutocrat. And now the biggest issue, and, and at the time of greatest econo- economic turmoil since at least 2008, what the Democrats are focusing on is resorts and, air, and airplane inconveniences. <laughs> you know, when you're jet setting around the world to go to your resorts, sometimes you have to pay an extra 50 bucks to check your bag. Well, we're going to put an end to that. And we're going to put an end to non-compete agreements, which... of the time only affect high earning C-suite level and upper management level workers. And he's pretending that it's burger flippers who have to sign non-competes. Give me a break. I'm not going to subject you to the rest of the speech. And I'm not even one of those conservatives who hates the State of the Union per se. You know, Ben frequently says it's monarchical garbage and he hates every State of the Union. I, I don't mind it. I like that there's this one event every year in our politics that unifies both houses of Congress and both parties. And we all have to go and pretend that we like the president, or at least that we're semi-unified. And it it draws a lot of public attention to our political system. It's got grandeur. It's somewhat uplifting compared to the rest of our politics. But last night was just bad. It was just a bad one. The cleverest part of the night was in the very beginning. Joe Biden opened up the speech by congratulating Kevin McCarthy on becoming speaker. This was a dig at the Republicans. It was, a, it was a stab in the back to McCarthy because he, he knows that if he, Joe Biden, praises Kevin McCarthy, that's going to hurt Kevin McCarthy with Republicans. And it was, a, it was a real twisting of the knife to MAGA because MAGA and the more conservative members of Congress opposed Kevin McCarthy. So it was a way to just put a little wedge in there with the Republicans. It was cleverly done. Joe Biden did the same thing to Mitch McConnell. Ah, Mitch, we've known each other forever. Looking forward to working with you. It was just another way to to divide the Senate Republican leader from from his base. Uh, Another funny moment of the night was when Joe Biden referred to his achievement of near record unemployment for blacks and Hispanics. That's an important phrase. His near record unemployment for blacks and Hispanics, right? Who had the record unemployment? Who, who, which president starts with a T, ends with a rump, achieved the record unemployment? Oh, you can't say that. So he says near record unemployment. So it's just, he's basically saying Trump did a great job on black and Hispanic unemployment, and I haven't completely ruined it in in just a few years. Uh, Then uh, Joe Biden focused on the talk. 
This is another ridiculous issue. Uh, this is this uh, line allegedly that black parents have to have with black children to say, you know, listen, police are going to kill you if because you're a black person. So you've got to be extra super special, respectful to the police, and you've got to play by a different set of rules with the police than white people do. It's not true. It's not true. They say this is a talk white student, white white parents never need to have with their children. It's not true. Okay, when I was learning how to drive, I was taught. If a cop pulls you over, you stay perfectly still, hands on the 10 and the 2 on the wheel. Yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, officer, no, officer. Everybody gets that talk. And and unfortunately, a lot of people who don't get that talk are the ones who end up in the situations that are provocative with the police. It's not not a racial thing. And he did it with with, uh, Tyree Nichols, the parents of Tyree Nichols, who was killed exclusively by black cops but still trying to raise bait. That's part of every single Democrat state of the union. Then the biggest applause line of the night was when Joe Biden said, we need to kill a lot more babies in the country. And he would work to protect abortion and federal law. That was, that was the moment that all of those demonically obsessed or possessed uh, Democrats stood up there and cheered like a bunch of hyenas. And then uh, there was another great line. He says, name me a world leader who would change places with Xi Jinping. The answer to which is most of them would, because Xi Jinping is a very powerful leader on the world stage, and he's currently eating Joe Biden's lunch. And then the final little bit of unity we got from the State of the Union was when Joe Biden tried to tie the Paul Pelosi attack by a polygamous, lunatic, illegal alien vagrant in San Francisco, a city that hasn't been governed by Republicans since the Stone Age. He tried to tie that to... January 6th, the very worst day in the history of the world. And, and he, he did it in a way that was actually very, very clunky and is, of course, preposterous. That was the whole speech. You didn't, if you didn't watch it, you didn't miss very much. The Republicans had a response. They actually had more than one response. And the response was given by Sarah Sanders. This is the hardest job in politics. It never helps people's careers. But I got to tell you, I thought Sarah... Having been given this terrible job, I thought Sarah did a phenomenal job at the the State of the Union response. While you reap the consequences of their failures, the Biden administration seems more interested in woke fantasies than the hard reality Americans face every day. Most Americans simply want to live their lives in freedom and peace. But we are under attack in a left-wing culture war we didn't start and never wanted to fight. Every day we are told we must partake in their rituals, salute their flags, and worship their false idols. All while big government colludes with big tech to strip away the most American thing there is. Your freedom of speech. That's not normal. It's crazy. And it's wrong. Make no mistake. Republicans will not surrender this fight. We will lead with courage and do what's right, not what's politically correct or convenient. Love it. I think Sarah's terrific. I thought she was one of the best press secretaries we've had in American history. I think she's doing a great job down there as governor of Arkansas. What does she do? Take note, squishy Republicans. What does she do? She doesn't give some anodyne speech about how we just need to deregulate just deregulate, get the government out of our lives. We're, come on, the left is insane. We're the sane people. No, she said, we're in a culture war. We're in a culture war that we didn't start. The left started it. 
The left started the culture war, and then what do they say? They always say, well, who cares about the transgender bathrooms? Who cares about what your kids are being taught in school? Gay porn in the elementary school library? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? You guys care. The libs care. Why do you care? Because it matters. Maybe the conservatives should care too. I thought Sarah did a bang-up job. Her presentation was great. Didn't seem angry. Didn't seem weak. She just seemed on the money. She had a, a very clear vision. But unfortunately, that very clear vision, which has worked out very well in Virginia, culture war won us the Virginia governorship, worked out very well in Florida. Culture war gave us the victories in Florida, and and Ron DeSantis is now one of the leading Republican candidates for president in 2024. Hasn't even declared that he's running. But the Republicans gave another speech, and it was not all that culturally conservative. In fact, it was not even in English. When things irritate me in politics. I know I need to calm down, practice patience, uh, kiss it up, as, as people used to say. One great way to do that is with Hallow. Right now, go to hallow.com slash Knowles. Seems like for Lent this year, the libs are giving up their morals and any common sense. You and I are going to combat that with a solid foundation in our faith, values, and fasting. Ash Wednesday is coming up on February 22nd. There is no better time than now to start building a daily habit of prayer and meditation with Hallow. Hallow is the number one Christian prayer app and the number one Catholic app in the world. Pray every single day leading up to Easter with world-famous Catholics and Protestants alike. Uh, Jim Caviezel, Father Mike Schmitz, even Mark Wahlberg. Dive deep into scripture and the second most read Christian book of all time, The Imitation of Christ. You will learn how to become a better individual in spite of today's broken world through prayer, fasting, and giving. Hallow will help guide you on your journey to become more like Christ. Download Hallow at hallow.com slash Knowles and get an exclusive three months for free, which will carry you through Lent and Easter. That is three months free, absolutely free, at hallow.com slash Knowles. The Republicans gave a second State of the Union response, this one in Spanish. I'm pleased to say that at least one of the three State of the Union addresses last night was in English. We had uh, Congressman Juan Siscomani, he spoke Spanish. Joe Biden uh, spoke gibberish. Sarah Sanders at least spoke some English. Uh, Juan Siscomani had this to say. Presidente Biden nos quiere decir que todo va de maravilla. President Biden wants you Pero to believe everything is great. De But why aren't sueño americano right? parece inalcanzable. The American dream feels unattainable. The president fails to show leadership no present any viable solution. No ha y aún no las tiene. He hasn't had solutions and clearly Pero still doesn't. De la de representantes ya As House Republicans, we've already begun to offer a different direction una que to address the most significant impacting American families. Bajo el del Under the leadership of Kevin McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy Hemos hecho un compromiso con Estados Unidos. We've made a compromiso, commitment to America, commitment to every American that prioritizes a strong economy, a secure nation, a future based on freedom. That's the compromiso con los Estados Unidos that the Republicans are offering us. You know what compromiso I would like? That we can serve anything in this country, that we can serve anything. That, that compromiso would be really nice to me if we could conserve the women's bathroom. That would be, that'd be a nice thing to conserve. Republicans, conservatives failed to do that. 
if we could conserve the English language, the language that we're supposed to speak as a nation, that would be good. I'd, I'd sign up for that compromiso, but I guess it wouldn't be a compromiso. It would be a pledge, a promise, a commitment, a vision. It would be even remotely conservative. My problem here is not with Juan Siscomani, as some people I think have, have misinterpreted my views on this rather important subject. Juan Siscomani seems great. He's a newcomer to politics, so we don't really know how conservative he is, where he falls. But if you just look at his policy positions, if you look at the way he ran his campaign, he seems quite conservative. And frankly, more importantly, in many ways, he clearly leads a conservative life. He's married. He has six kids. Great. Very admirable stuff. He looks the part. He behaves the part. But he doesn't quite sound the part of conservatism because this is the American nation. And here in America, we're supposed to speak English. And so you can give the most eloquent, beautiful speech in the world about cutting taxes and preserving freedom and the American dream and securing the nation. If you're giving it in a foreign language during a major national political event that is supposed to unify us as a nation, that is not conservative. That's the opposite of conservative. And it's deeply offensive. It makes a mockery of our tradition and the very idea that we are one nation. We have nothing that unifies us in this country. We used to have more that unified us. We don't have that anymore. And in some cases, the loss of that unity was intentional and was done with, with, with the best of, very best of intentions and comes out of some of the historical circumstances of the United States. But it is, it is just a matter of historical fact that nations, traditionally, can be unified by religion. We no longer are unified that way. It can be unified by race. We used to be much more unified that way, but there were always racial differences in America just from the fact that uh, the Dutch came over, then you had the, the English come over, and I'm just talking about New York right there, and there were already Native Americans there in New York. Uh, it was largely settled by the English in the United States, but you did have people from Spain and the southeast of the United States. You had a whole, you had a bunch of Irish immigrants, some Italian immigrants, you had black slaves, obviously. So it was always uh, racially more complicated, even though it was predominantly white. Uh, but certainly in the age of mass migration, there's no, no, uh, racial unity whatsoever. There used to be some kind of ideological unity, even as the uh, religious unity of the country transformed and started to wane. You at least had ideological unity, the idea of the civic religion. We all venerated the same kinds of symbols and statues and figures. That's gone. Now we're knocking down figures of the fa- uh, statues rather of the founding fathers, and we're protesting the, the star-spangled banner and the, the symbol of the country itself. All of that is gone. We don't even share an epistemology anymore. We, we can't even agree on how to know anything at all. The, the most basic thing we could still share and have together is language, is the way that we speak. And, and it's the conservatives who take that away. It's very, very offensive. Now, I've heard one good objection to this point of view. And this is an objection from uh, a great Twitter account, T.K. Dillon who made this point. He said, Michael, you're misunderstanding this because you're thinking of America as a nation. And America is not a nation. If America ever was a nation, it certainly is not a nation any longer. You've got to recognize that the country is essentially just like uh, an empire right now. And we're we're governing this country not as George Washington would govern a nation. We're we're governing this country like the Habsburgs would have ruled the Austro-Hungarian Empire or something like that. 
We've got different pockets with different religions, different cultural backgrounds, different this, different that. And so we've just got to speak to those different pockets uh, and speak into their differences and recognize there is no such thing as national unity. I, I don't want to give up the idea that we are an American nation. I don't want to give up the idea that we actually have something in common from sea to shining sea. I don't want to give up the idea that despite the differences between the states and the various peoples who, who constitute the states, that we actually are out of many one. I, I'm not ready to give up that idea. But if even the freaking conservatives are now giving their State of the Union responses in foreign languages, may, maybe I'm the last one. <laughs> maybe I'm the last one who is holding out some hope for a pluribus unum. Speaking of Republicans with Hispanic last names, Ron DeSantis is getting hammered by Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump has been really increasing the attacks in recent days. He's no longer just uh, talking about Ron DeSanctimonious. He's now mocking DeSantis for, for, for crying as he begged for his endorsement. Ron DeSantis got elected because of me. You remember he had nothing. He was dead. He was leaving the race. He came over and he begged me, begged me for an endorsement. He was getting ready to drop out. I gave him an endorsement. And as soon as I gave that endorsement, in fact, I said, you're going to have a hard time. He was running against Adam Putnam, the commissioner of agriculture, who had a massive lead. He's been running for eight years while he was commissioner. He had $40 million in cash. I believe it was 40. And he was up in the poll massively by, you know, but not catchable, not even catchable. He said, if you endorse me, I'll win. And there were tears coming down from his eyes. He said, if you endorse me, I'll win. I'll say, you know what, Ron? Ron was one of 150 people that was on television. There were tears coming down from his eyes. There, <laughs> this reminds me of Trump talking about Megyn Kelly. You remember he said, oh, there was there is blood coming out of everywhere. I don't know. I think that was the line he said. Or the, oh, you know, you've got little Marco there. Little Marco, he's sweating. He's always, he's got, he's drinking water. He's sweating. I don't know what it is with little Marco. This is how Donald Trump brands his opponents. When he does it well, the way that he does it is he focuses on physical attributes. Oh, it's, it's little Marco. Oh, it's, you see John Kasich, the way he eats, it's disgusting. You never saw anything so disgusting in your life. Oh, this woman, that woman, big fat slob. You ever look at that? Oh yeah, Ron, he had tears in his eyes. Uh, Trump is a, a, a very vivid uh, describer of his opponents. And, and he paints those pictures with with words, but he's, he's really painting you an image here. That's what he's doing to DeSantis. He's now also calling DeSantis a groomer. <laughs> he's saying that when DeSantis was a teacher, he would go around and get cozy with the high school girls and drink with them. And, I, and everyone's very upset about this. It's the way it goes, guys. This is, the, this is what it is if you're going to run against Donald Trump. And frankly, I'm glad for it. If you're going to run for president, you need a thick skin. You need to be able to work through lots of difficult attacks. Trump said that Ted Cruz's dad murdered JFK, okay? So if you think that Ron DeSantis, who's a big tough guy, all right, that he can't handle some, some of these attacks from, from Donald Trump, then he's not going to make it very far in the presidential race. This is primary politics. But it shouldn't be this way. Why is Trump doing this? This is what, this is what Trump has to do to give himself the best chance of getting the nomination. 
And DeSantis isn't punching back because that's what Ron DeSantis has to do to give himself the best chance of winning the nomination. These are big boys. We're 16 months out from the RNC. It's okay. It's okay, all right? We have to be prepared for an intense primary. You need to be prepared in case supply chains go down and you can't access your medicine. That's why you got to go check out Jace Medical. Right now, go to Jace Medical, J-A-S-E medical.com, enter code Knowles. If the past couple of years has taught you anything at all, it is that in a crisis like a global pandemic or a natural disaster, even the basics can be hard to come by. You've got to be prepared for anything. Jace Medical is here to help. Jace Medical helps you get a long-term supply of prescription meds. Their mission is to empower you to be better medically prepared. A great way to start preparing is with the Jace case, a pack of five different courses of antibiotics that you can use to treat a whole host of bacterial illnesses, basic stuff, UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, and more. All you have to do is fill out a simple online form and in some cases jump on a call with one of their board-certified physicians. From there, you can ask your physician uh, treatment-related questions on an ongoing basis. I'll make this really blunt, okay? If China invades Taiwan, the supply chain's getting cut off. If certain very possible, really maybe likely events happen in the world, supply chain's going to be seriously affected. Get that peace of mind that even in the worst case, you have got a Jace case. I want you to be prepared for anything. Be like the Knowles family. Go to jacemedical.com, enter code Knowles at checkout for a discount on your order. That is jacemedical.com, promo code Knowles. Speaking of Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, he's making enemies. He's making enemies over there at The View. Whoopi Goldberg is furious, specifically at Ron DeSantis. She calls him a freak who's trying to rewrite history. There is not America's history without these brown and black people. That's what I want to hear him say tonight. Because one of the things that he knows is he knows that that women in particular have worked, and particularly brown women, have worked their butts off to make sure that he became the president. And I need to hear him say, this bonehead in Florida and in Texas is out of step with America. He's out of step with who we are as a nation, because there is no nation without us. And I need, I need to hear him say that as my president. Yes. I need to know that he's aware that there are freaks out there who are trying to change history and he's not going to stand for it. That's what I want from you, Joe. At least for that last part, fact check true. There are freaks out there who are trying to change and rewrite history. It's not the freaks that Whoopi's talking about, but there are freaks trying to do that. In fact, the most prominent example of this in recent years was called the 1619 Project. It was a project of the New York Times that the New York Times put millions and millions of dollars into promoting. It's now made its way into schools. It was written by Nicole, who was it? Nicole Hannah-Jones, I think is her name. Nicole Hannah-Jones, whose central thesis, the whole thesis of the project, was that a motivating, the, the motivating factor for the American Revolution was to preserve slavery. And so the, the true date of America's founding is not 1620 when the pilgrims arrive on the Mayflower. It's not 
1776 when the revolution kicks off. No, it's 1619 when the first slave ships arrived on the East Coast. The central thesis was proven wrong. It was debunked. It wasn't even just debunked by those of us on the right. It was debunked by left-wing academic historians who said that this woman who was setting out to rewrite history was just making it up. It was so thoroughly debunked that the New York Times quietly had to rewrite the thesis because not even the New York Times, which lies all the time, could defend it. That's who is rewriting history. The rewriting of history that we are getting constantly from the left, almost exclusively from the left. And so what Ron DeSantis is saying is we don't want those freaks rewriting history. Whoopee, whoopee, you should be thrilled. The freaks who are trying to rewrite history, they're being kicked out of the classrooms. That's good. You should thank Ron DeSantis if Whoopi Goldberg had read any history ever in her life, which I am skeptical. I'm skeptical of that prospect. Speaking of the power of historical narrative, because this is what it's about. When, when, when the people who dismiss the culture wars, they say, oh, who cares? Who cares about some stupid story in the New York Times that then goes into some high school and then the kids learn it in their class? It doesn't, who, what, what does that matter? Who cares? The left cares. That's why the left is trying to rewrite history. And the left is trying to rewrite history because if you control the past, you control the future. If you control the past and you promote a history that is true, that is our country is basically a good place and we have an obligation to love our country because patriotism is an extension of filial piety and America is an expression of Western civilization and Western civilization is a good thing and it's actually the greatest civilization ever in the world and it's animated by a good and true religion called Christianity and it's created the most beautiful works of art, the greatest achievements that we've ever seen from any human society ever. If you, if you have that view, that is going to affect the way that you interact with your country today, right now, in the present. And it's going to affect the country that you are going to have into the future. If, on the other hand, you have a bunch of freaks, in Whoopi Goldberg's terms, go in and rewrite history and say, actually, America is the most evil place ever. And actually, Western civilization, they never did anything good. They only did bad stuff. They're just colonizers and imperialists. And all the good stuff they ever got, they just stole it anyway. And it's all built on slave labor. And the West, actually, the West is responsible for slavery. Even though the West has practiced slavery less than any other civilization ever in the world, and today is the only part of the world that has actually abolished slavery. Yeah, no, the West is responsible for it. That's why it's so evil and oppressive and terrible. Well, that's going to affect the way you, you interact with your society today. And it's going to determine the sort of society that you're going to have in the future. Because you're going to hate the society that you've currently got. And you're going to want to tear down the best stuff about it. That's, that's why people fight over history. That's why the conservatives need to stand firm. That's why Ron DeSantis going in and, and Glenn Youngkin going in and, and other people who are fighting this academic battle right now. That's why it matters when they go in and they say, no, we're not going to teach our students this crap because classrooms are like crystal balls. And when you look into a classroom, you were seeing your country 20 years into the future. Seven or eight years ago, Conservatives love to say, oh, these snowflakes on the college campuses, these woke snowflakes, just wait till they get to the real world. That's going to be a big surprise for them. No, the woke people and the little snowflakes were smarter about this issue because they knew that they were going to get into the real world and they were just going to change the world and, and change the way that we all had to accommodate them. They were going to demand that we bend our perceptions 
to their absurd wills. They want the classroom really was a crystal ball. You see this playing out right now in basic crime stories. This is a really, really disturbing story. I was reading it at the Daily Wire. Bicycling doctor allegedly murdered by man who reportedly muttered about white privilege. California emergency room doctor out for a ride on his mountain bike was allegedly murdered Wednesday by a man who police said struck him from behind with his vehicle, then jumped out and repeatedly stabbed him while, according to a witness, decrying white privilege. This would be funny if it weren't so sad, but but think about the absurdity of this. A guy is driving along, I guess it was a black guy, is driving along, and presumably it wasn't a white guy. Although these days, I don't know, the white liberals are so self-hating, I guess it could have been, but, but I assume it was not a white guy. He's driving along, he sees a white guy, he is enraged. I imagine not merely by the color of the guy's skin, though I suppose it could have been that, but maybe he's enraged by the bicyclist riding too slowly. Maybe he's enraged by the fact that this guy gets to go on a bike ride while he's got to be driving and he's, he's working or something. Whatever enraged him, he gets out of, he hits the guy, gets out of the car and just starts stabbing this man to death while claiming to be the victim himself while claiming that the man that he is murdering is, he's the oppressor. He's got all of the privilege. And he, the murderer, he's the oppressed one. He's the one who doesn't have it. Is he stabbing this man? Since it's California, the guy stabbing him will probably get off with a warning. Vehicle approached a cyclist at an intersection, drove around the victim after hitting him, exited the vehicle, went back and just continued to assault the victim because of white privilege. If you believe, if you believe that, if if you believe what you are taught in schools and by the media and by the government and everywhere in the pop culture and by the diversity training at your office and by everything in the culture, if you believe that white people really are not only evil, but the source of all the evil in society, the very reason that society is broken, because the the true evil that pervades our country is whiteness, structural whiteness that we have to abolish, then because ideas have consequences, you might take it into your own hands to abolish that whiteness by abolishing the life of the white person that you run into. And you would feel totally justified. If you are not particularly intelligent, as I can't imagine this murderer is, if you are not particularly thoughtful or well-educated, you could really believe that. As you are murdering someone, you say, wow, I'm really, I'm doing the right thing. Wow. I stopped this guy from oppressing me with his nice private bicycle ride. That's the consequence of critical race theory. That's the consequence of the critical studies departments in universities and high schools now that tell you that America is an evil country and white people in particular are the problem. And if you're not white, you're justified in doing whatever you want to victimize the alleged oppressors. That's the consequence of it. Talk about freaks. Those are the freaks. Speaking of dangerous things, Megan Rapino, who I am told is a soccer player, Megan Rapino has a message for you. The message is that you need to go out and get your 75th Fauci ouchie. And that message does not come free. Megan here. Megan here. To get my bu- 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 booster. Get, bu- 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 get your bu- get your booster. 
Here she is. She's in the doctor's office. Okay, she got her shot, apparently. I'm in, boosted. Ready to roll into this year. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, guys. It's so sad. It's so cringy. First of all, nobody thinks Megan Rapinoe is cool. I assume there are a handful of very sad liberal people who tell themselves that Megan Rapinoe is cool. And so this ad is geared toward them. But even Megan Rapinoe's heart is obviously not in it. So sad the way she's trying to prove like, Hey, y'all, Mama Megan, we're going to get our bu- 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 booster. Yeah, that's cool. Let's roll. But it's so half hearted. No one really believes it. Then you see why it seems so contrived and half hearted. There's a little line right there at the top of the Instagram post, and it says paid partnership. That's a weird paid partnership. Who she partners with? Oh, it tells you in the next line. She's a Pfizer partner. Hashtag Pfizer partner. Like so many others, one of my New Year's resolutions is to focus on my health. And with the tournament down uh, down under coming up this year, it's more important than ever that I do so. That's why I got my updated COVID-19 booster, something I've been meaning to check off my to-do list. Points for prioritizing health. Hashtag I'm boosted. Go to vaccines.gov to check your eligibility and schedule an appointment today. So you, you know this was just written by the marketing department, either in the government or, or Pfizer. You know this because she's using hashtags like it's 2008. That's not, people don't do that anymore. That's not, but anyway. So, okay. I'm a, hashtag I'm boosted. Hashtag Pfizer partner. I head on over to this government website. I've been meaning to do this. I feel really great. It's so important to go get your booster. You're so lucky to be able to have this injection. If it's so great, and if we're all so lucky to be able to inject ourselves with this experimental drug, why does Pfizer have to pay niche celebrities to promote it? If it's, if it's so great, and if COVID is so dangerous and scary that we all, we're just waiting, oh, I can't wait to get my vaccine. Why does Pfizer, why, why does the government, why does whoever's footing the bill here, why do they have to pay? It, and specifically, why do they have to pay this kind of celebrity? You know, they're not calling me. They're not calling Ben. They're not calling Tucker and saying, hey, you want to be a Pfizer partner? Because they know that our audiences are going to say, what the hell is wrong with you people? We're not going to get that Fauci ouchie. No, no clot shot for me, thank you. No, I'm good, thanks. But the handful of people who follow Megan Rapinoe, that's the target audience. They know these libs, these libs are at least going to be open to getting the shot. And then what's so crazy is, is even the libs, even, even the very people who follow Megan Rapinoe are not clamoring to go get the Fauci ouchie. These, these are the people who should have been the first in the line. And yet even they are not, even they need to be bribed and bought off to get the shot. wonder why that is. Probably because it's not a great shot. So that's what I would deduce. Speaking of the biomedical security state, the UN is going to take action against me for daring to question the genius of Dr. Fauci and the benevolence of our rulers in the lab coats. The UN Secretary General is calling for global action against mis- and disinformation. 
will call for action from everyone with influence on the spread of mis- and disinformation on the internet. Governments, regulators, policymakers, technology companies, the media, civil society. Stop the hate. Set up strong guardrails. Be accountable for language that causes harm. And as part of my report to our common agenda, we are convening all stakeholders around the Code of Conduct for information integrity on digital platforms. And we'll also further strengthen our focus on how mis- and disinformation are impacting progress on global issues, including the climate crisis. The mis- and the disinformation. And of course, mis- and disinformation just means anything that contradicts the narrative of the liberal elite on any given day. So on the day where Dr. Fauci said, don't wear a mask, masks don't work, if you came out and said, you should wear a mask, that would be mis- and disinformation. But then five seconds later, when Dr. Fauci said, actually, you do need to wear masks, masks are very important, masks do work, and you contradicted that and you said, actually, you know, I think masks uh, don't work, that would be mis- and disinformation. The, the, the feature that determines what the mis- and disinformation is, is just whatever the liberals are saying at this point. And you might say, well, who cares what the UN is warning about? The UN doesn't have any power. The UN doesn't have a ton of power in itself, but that's why the liberal elites now who are trying to censor what we can say, they're trying to go around the UN. They're trying to even go around many of the governments. They're certainly trying to go around the people. They're trying to build it into the platforms. This is the purpose of safety by design, which is this proposal of the Australian e-safety commissioner, Julie Grant, who's partnered with the World Economic Forum to get this implemented around the world. Because what safety by design says is, yeah, the governments aren't going to really keep up with all this stuff. So we're just going to embed our wokeism into the, the speech platforms themselves. Then you've only got to get it into three or four speech platforms. And all of a sudden, the libs can implement their speech codes, their standards, their taboos, their censorship at the drop of a hat. It'll happen automatically from the platforms. That's happening right now. And very, very powerful people are pushing for it. People more powerful perhaps even than the U.S. president. President's Day is coming up. We used to call it Washington's birthday uh, because Washington is a great man that we were celebrating. Then we'd call it Washington's and Lincoln's birthday we would celebrate. But now in our modern day and age, we call it President's Day and completely changes the meaning of the holiday because our nation is becoming very uneducated and the libs are transforming our culture. So this President's Day, maybe you should do something about it. Daily Wire is running our President's for Sale sale. <laughs> talking about our current president. 40% off new annual memberships. The big guy got 10%. We're giving you 40%. Get access to the world of Daily Wire Plus with fearless documentaries, gripping movies, Dennis Prager's master's program, and the entire library of Dr. Jordan Peterson's work, including new productions, Exodus, Logos and Literacy, On Marriage, all available to watch right now, coming down the pipeline to a TV or a laptop near you. New episodes of Ben Shapiro's The Search, Exodus Part 2, our much-anticipated DW Kids content, and Pendragon later this year. To sweeten the deal like ice cream, we are also giving you up to 40% off select items in the Daily Wire shop. Take advantage of our President's for Sale sale today. You know he would. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe to become a member. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe. And in case you missed it this past weekend, I sat down for another episode of Yes or No, the internet's greatest interview and game show with special guest Michael Malice. It was great sitting down with Michael, a great guy with a great name. It was a riveting episode. Don't forget, you can bring the fun home with Yes or No, the game. It's available right now for pre-order 
at dailywire.com slash shop. It sold out when we ordered our first run of, I think, 1,000 games. It sold out fast. There's a new run. We've ordered many multiples of that. It's, it's going to sell out again. So pre-order. I think there are still copies available. Pre-order right now. It's filled with harmful and conspiracy content. Yes or no tests your knowledge of those closest to you. Do you really know your friends and family? Do they really know you? Get to the bottom of it all, including your glass, with yes or no the game. Head on over to dailywire.com slash shop to secure yours today. Got a lot of work to do over here to save the West. There is a book on this topic. That book is called How to Save the West. It is by a friend of mine, Spencer Clavin, absolutely no relation to Andrew Clavin. I am actually writing a review of this book for the Claremont Review of Books. And when you write a, a book review, you, you go through a book and you usually summarize the plot. You give your take on the information presented, the way in which it's presented, the style of the book, the prose, the, all of that. And then you list the things that the author could have done better. And I've, I've written plenty of book reviews and I usually find all sorts of problems with books. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I, I did not have a criticism of this book. I, I was actually thinking, do I need to just make up a criticism just so my book review doesn't look too positive? That is how good it is. And we are joined now by my friend, Spencer Clavin. Mr. Clavin, welcome to the show. Michael, my ears were burning hearing you uh, talk about that. I was disappointed that the review wasn't going to have like, you know, the author's ears are too big or something yeah. in there because I just <laughs> yeah. think that would be you know, good. Well, I, I was thinking as a little addendum to the review to say, you know, yeah. look, my praise of the book notwithstanding, the author is a big, fat, dumb, stupid idiot. But, but <laughs> I don't know. I ran out of words by the end. So it is, I hate to say it, you know, it's men... And especially buddies, especially longtime buddies, it's, it feels very strange to just give a sincere compliment. It feels, <laughs> that's not how men talk to one another. But it's very squishy and weird. Yeah, it is squishy and weird, and I feel like a big lib. Uh, it's just so good. And I, I actually, I went into the book thinking, okay, I, now I see a little way that I could criticize it. Because the book opens up and it's talking about things that are really present. They're very urgent, kind of modern things that you would see in the headlines. And I said, okay, this is going to be one of these just, okay, Spencer's going to cover the news. And then just very quickly, you tie the, the things that we're seeing around us right now into Polybius and Plato and Aristotle. And then you come right back up to Kendrick Lamar. And then you come to, and it's, and it's so seamless. And it's, so, you actually finish the book and you say, oh, this guy is not just showing off his scholarship. And oh, this guy is not just riffing on the news. This guy has an urgent message for what to do about a civilization that, that feels as though it's not only in ruins, but, but still has some pieces of the marble about to fall down on our heads. You know, it's really perceptive. And thanks for saying that. This is a book that is based on the radical idea that the past has something to say to the present. And that's basically it. That's the simple claim, which is not so simple anymore, since as you were just talking about earlier in the show, the the very idea of Western civilization, that we might be inheritors of a tradition, carriers of a flame that comes down from these kind of two uh, central civilizations, Athens and Jerusalem. This whole notion is portrayed regularly in the news as 
somehow primitive, it's superstitious, it's maybe kind of racially chauvinist. People make all sorts of accusations. You're a racist, you're a sexist for talking about those dumb old guys. And one of the things that I try to do in this book is just say, look, you know, every day we wake up, we see some news story that makes us feel like everything's falling apart. And it's really easy to think that it, all of this is just the result of, you know, rapidly accelerating technology and science has transformed the world. And of course, those things may be true. But what the book is about is a lot of the questions that we're coming up against are actually extremely fundamental. They've been with humanity basically ever since we were on this planet. And there are some really rich uh, answers to these questions that are available from the tradition if you'll just look. And, you know, they're, they do everything they can to try and continue convince you not to do that. They tell you that these books are outdated, that they're bad, that they're evil, that Aristotle was some kind of, you know, chauvinist, racist, whatever, um, all to prevent you from understanding that the answers to questions like, why am I here? What's my place in the universe? What's a human being? Um, th these questions that we're grappling with now, you will find better, saner, clearer, more humane answers in some of these texts that the book deals with than you will from like Dr. Fauci and whatever modern, you know, UN guru is supposed to be in charge of us today. So that's exactly the point of the book. It's just as you said. You know, I've got about 30 seconds left in the main portion of the show for the hoi polloi out there who have not yet gone <laughs> over to dailywire.com slash Knowles, used code Knowles and subscribed. You, you say in the subtitle, it's ancient wisdom for five modern crises. Yep. What are the modern crises? I'll list them off and then I'll say a little bit about them. The first is the crisis of reality. Is anything true or false? The second is the crisis of the body. Do our unique human forms have anything to say about us or should they just be replaced, re-engineered, uh, tra transformed with gender surgery? Um, the third is the crisis of meaning. Can we really believe that anything has any meaning beyond just the mere fact of evolution and, and replication? And this leads directly into the deepest crisis, which I think is the crisis of religion. Can we we believe in a creator God that has an interest in us. Uh, that's the most important question before us. And I answer it in the affirmative. Yes, we can before turning to the crisis of the regime, which is the most immediate one. What's going on in America? What's going to happen to us? And can we survive? I want uh, so you to give us, book. I want you to give us the answers to that, but I don't want yeah. you to give it to the hoi polloi, these freeloaders no, who, who yeah, they show up. Knowledge. I appreciate that they show up, but they don't want to fork over the, their hard-earned money, because I don't know, they want to go buy eggs or something like that, which is impossible. <clears throat> you're never, you're never going to afford eggs these days. Uh, if you want to watch the answers, and if you want to come chat with us over in the member block, you've got to head over to dailywire.com slash Knowles, use code Knowles at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.